Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Open them with me, please, to the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. This will be the second part of our series, Bringing Forth Light, and we're going to call it Perfecting Holiness. Perfecting Holiness. Thank you, Jesus. Perfecting Holiness. Father God, as we approach your word, we approach it reverently and we approach it humbly, submitting ourselves to its teachings. Thanking you for the Holy Ghost, the greater one that's within us, to unveil unto us revelation knowledge of thy word, to bring it forth in a demonstration of power, that it may feed your people, that it may produce light, life, and love within their hearts and spirits, that they may walk therein in Jesus' precious and holy and mighty name, amen. And amen. Luke's Gospel, the 11th chapter. And verse 33. No man when he hath lighted a candle put it in a secret place, neither under a bushel but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore if thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee is not darkness. If thy whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. We've used this as a foundation scripture. And we taught from it being full of light. And now we're teaching also from the same passage, bringing forth that light. In other words... It's one thing to know what you should be. It's another thing to know how to be. So just telling you what you should be is not enough. You've got to tell people how. How to be. How to do it. How do I do it? And uh, that's always been my beef. I want to know how to do it. Telling me what to do is not enough. You've got to tell me how to do it. If you tell me how to do it, then I'll do it. If you don't tell me how to do it, I can't do it. Amen? So I want somebody to tell me how to do it. So that's why when I prayed long five years ago, I said, Lord, I want to know how to do it so I can teach your people how to do it. So we're going to study in this part of the series how to bring forth this light, how to perfect holiness in our lives. Now, light stands for the life and the nature of God. We know that. For God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. We are to walk in the light. Walking in holiness is walking in the light. Walking in holiness is walking in the light. The light is already in our spirits if you're born again. If you're not born again, then the light's not there. If you're born again, you have the light in your spirit. You have been lit with the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But you have this deposit in an earthen vessel. It's a vessel of darkness. It's a mind that's unrenewed. Darkness. The body is darkness. Darkness. But the spirit is light. 
Now, through the teachings of God's holy word, we can learn how to bring forth that light that's in our spirit, through our mind, our soul, into the body by the tongue. Which actually is the operation of it, which we gave you before. It's the spirit operates through the soul, through the mind. And the spirit and soul together will control the tongue so that the body can be kept under. And so that the light that's in the spirit can be made manifest in the body. Amen. Did you follow all that? Did you grab a hold of that? I'll go through it again. The spirit man has the life in it already. It's already there. If we walk in the spirit, we walk by who we are in spirit. It's been lit with the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But the spirit must operate through the soul that's unrenewed. So it must be renewed by the word of God. It's like darkness over top of that light. So when the light comes into the mind, our, our minds are enlightened by the word of God. Then the light has come forth from the spirit all the way to the soul. When the spirit and the soul are working together, they will control the tongue. Now the tongue we know controls the body. As long as it's hooked up to the spirit and the soul. So the spirit and the soul together will control the tongue to control the body. Did you get all that? And to produce life in the body. This is the how-to. How to do it. Now, if you didn't get that, you're going to have to get the tape and go over and over and over it. But we'll show it to you in Scripture. Go to Matthew 12. Matthew, the 12th chapter. Now, for the life of me, I don't know why anybody doesn't want to be born again. Being born again gives you that life. Gives you the life of God. It gives you eternal life. It gives you full assurance that you have a heavenly home. Glory to God. Amen? So that's number one. Number one is to be born again and you have that light inside your spirit. Okay, now in the 12th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, beginning with verse 33, Jesus said you could make the tree good or you could make the tree corrupt. Look at this in verse 33. Either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt for the tree is known by his fruit. Old generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So the heart must be full of the word of God or of good things to produce good things. But he said, how can you people being evil or natural being in darkness produce light? How can you being full? Remember, remember that scripture back there and Luke said, take heed that the light that is in thee is not darkness. The development or the understanding that's in you is not darkness. Take heed to that. You should be developed in righteousness, not in darkness, in light, not in darkness. Now, he said, how can you then being evil speak good things? How can you control the tongue with your heart? And if your heart's full of darkness, you can't do it. Okay, you, you, can, you follow me? You can't do it. As long as the spirit man is in darkness in any area, the new birth, yes. I mean, you've got to get born again. That's that's understood. We know that. But there are many Christians that are in darkness in certain areas of the Word of God and of their own life. And because they're in darkness and develop in that darkness, they can't produce life in that area. Some Christians will never get healed because of that fact. They don't understand or have the light on healing. They think it's God's will for them to be sick and they're going to be sick. And that's all there is to it. And they're not going to do anything about it. And they'll never produce that light because of lack of knowledge. And you know the Word of God tells us that my people are destroyed through this lack of knowledge. Now, he went on to say, a good man out of the good deposits. That word treasure in the Greek means deposits. A good man by depositing good into his heart will out of his heart bring forth good things. 
And an evil man out of the evil treasure or deposits of his heart will bring forth evil things. Let the words bring forth stay with you as we go on in this. But it's up to the person to make the tree good or it's up to the person to make the tree bad. We try to put the blame on God for everything. But it's up to you. It's your responsibility to make the tree good. You can make the tree good or you can make the tree bad. Amen? So it's up to us. We as believers, we have to do it. So the complete operation, if we take in these two scriptures, the complete op- operation and the complete understanding of how spiritual things work in the, inside the heart of a believer, and not only a believer, even in a non-believer... You're going to find out that this is spiritual law. Whether you're born again or whether you're not, this principle will work in your life. One to death and destruction. The other one to life everlasting. Amen. Now, number one, the word is in your mouth. The word must be in your mouth. It's got to be there. It starts there. It starts in the mouth. Because you want to deposit it into the heart. Now, natural food starts in your mouth. It's deposited and it's digested. It begins to be digested in the mouth and it goes on down to the stomach where it's digested. And then the stomach assimilates it and goes and carries throughout the body. Assimilates it throughout the body. Okay. The word starts in your mouth the same way. The word in your mouth. You speak the word. Your ears hear the word. When you hear the word, it enters into the door gate by the ear. Which goes into the soul or the mind or the reasoning faculties. It's digested, you see. You build an image in your mind. The words that you are speaking produce an image. That image that's there will be quickened by the Spirit of God in your heart. So those words you're speaking will enter into the ear, enter into the soul, which will then go and be deposited into the heart. A good man, out of the good deposits of his heart, will bring forth out of his heart good things. Now Jesus clearly said in Matthew 15 and Mark 7... That evil thoughts and murders and fornications, they proceed from within the heart of man and come out of the heart of man. They didn't start out there where the crime was committed. They started inside the heart through hatred, through words that were spoken. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Meditation. We call it premeditated murder. Meditated. Finally, conceived within the heart. Robbery. Premeditated. Let's go and do this. Let's rob this place. They think about it. They think up a scheme. How are they going to do it? A plan. How are they going to do it? They think about it. They begin to enact it. They go over every step. Every step is enacted in their mind. They got it timed perfectly. They got it down perfectly. It's conceived in the heart. Then the action begins to take place. Out of the heart man bringeth forth evil things. Or out of the heart man brings forth good things. Okay? That's how it works. Then the spirit man will produce fruit of itself. It'll begin to control the soul. It'll begin to work with the soul to control the tongue. And the spirit and soul working together controlling the tongue will control the body. And blessed be God, that light that's in you will now be made manifest in your body. And it will produce that light that's in you, not only to yourself, to your outward man, but to everybody that's around you. This is the ultimate walk of faith, beloved. This is called walking as Jesus walked. Once that gets to the place of being in the heart, though, here's where I think we've missed it. We get to the last point and we don't do it. Once the word has reached and been conceived in your heart, it must be protected there. 
Because the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, and immediately cometh the devil to steal the seed away from your heart. So the word must then be protected in your heart, and if it is protected by the peace of God, then that word will begin to produce, and there's no force around that could stop it from producing, because that word is incorruptible. Boy, if we can get some spiritual insight into this, beloved, you're going to walk in the power and the victory of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you begin to take what I just said and you get back in your meditating closet and you begin to just sit there, get on your knees before God or sit down on a chair somewhere and begin to close your eyes and meditate and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I have the ability of God within me. The life and the nature of God lives in me. I've been made more than a conqueror through Jesus who loves me. He commissioned me and told me to go in all the world. And when I go, I cast out devils. I speak with new tongues. I lay my hands upon the sick. And when I do, they recover. And you begin to build that image inside your mind. Finally, it's such an imagination. You have such an image of it, vivid you know, image in your mind, that it slips right down into your heart. And when it gets inside your heart, quickened by the Spirit of God, and you protect it there, you begin to walk in the power of the Spirit. You begin to manifest the very life and the nature of God. You begin to walk like Jesus walked on the earth. This is what this gospel is all about. And you're going to grow to a place that that happens in your life if you'll do this and follow these steps. Now, I've already said something and mentioned something to you about medical, a recent medical discovery. We know that they have discovered that the speech center of the brain controls all the nerves of the body. As a matter of fact, one is quoted as saying that a man through his words... And the speech center of the brain could have total dominion over his body. And the example he gave, a medical doctor gave, was to say that if a man would begin to say, I am weak, I am weak, I am weak, I am weak, he said, then it would begin to react. And the nerves in that body would begin to react. And this, everything would just be inside that system would begin to react until it made him weak. But did you know the Bible said, let the weak say, I am strong? You know, we took the principles of faith and acted on them just out of pure faith, without fullness of knowledge, and God honored that because it was true. We just began to say, I am strong. I am strong. I am strong. You say, well, why are you saying something like that if you're weak? Because the Bible said, let the weak say, I am strong. And that's God's word. He was programming us... So that we could get in on this thing without the fullness of knowledge. Just by us believing that God said it, so I'm going to say it no matter what. I am strong. He knew that when you said that, you see, the medical field went as far as the brain. Because that's something that they can deal with. Partly. But we know that Jesus said it, the Word of God says it, because He was dealing with the Spirit. He knew the more you said, I am strong, I am strong, you would get a picture of, of health and strength. And the more you said that, it would slip down into your heart and be conceived in your spirit, which would then program the speech center of the brain and the tongue to control the body for strength. See, that's how it works. Jesus knew it. So he gave us the principle of faith and a formula of faith. And those of us that got into it and just believed it because he said it, it began to work in their lives a lot quicker than some of them that have to be proved throughout, you know, <laughs> five years or ten years to prove it in their lives. I believed it right from the start because that's what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, which is the law of faith, which we'll get to a little bit later on. 
But go to Pro, uh, Proverbs, I'm sorry, Psalms 15 and verse 4. I'll show you about the saint that wants to walk and dwell in the secret place of the Most High or dwell in the holy hill of the Lord. Now, we know that that person is going to be walking in holiness and perfecting holiness, but I don't believe we've ever been told how he's going to do it. Oh, you know, we've had some ideas of it, and I'll say some of them a little bit later, but I don't believe the church and I don't believe the, the fivefold ministry has ever taught us how to perfect holiness and how to walk in holiness. But you're going to hear it tonight. Verse 1, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness, now notice this phrase, and speaketh the truth in his heart. Now, the Spirit of God brings all things to our remembrance. Amen? And enlightens us and shows us things to come. As I was quoting that in my spirit, the Spirit of God said to me, look up that word, speaketh. What does it really say? Speaketh the word in his heart. Well, I looked it up and it's the Hebrew word, the bar, D-A-B-A-R, and it means to arrange words. He arranges words in his heart. Or he makes an arrangement of words, the truth, in his heart. He arranges the word of truth in his heart. He speaketh the truth in his heart. Or he arranges that word in his heart. Remember the scripture says, The heart of the righteous studieth the answer. So we are arranging the word of God in our hearts, even though to our minds, to our intellects, and to our senses, it doesn't seem like it's possible or it's real. But the one that's going to dwell and live in his holy hill and abide in the holy tabernacle of the Lord, he's going to be the one that is speaking or arranging the word of God in his heart. Now... We've signed to walk, well, I'm saying this, go to 2 Corinthians, no, go to Galatians first. Galatians, the third chapter, and verse 3. We've tried to get the church to walk in holiness, to walk righteousness, walk in righteousness, to walk upright before God. By establishing a set of rules or a set of do's and don'ts. Do this and don't do that. Do this and don't do that. Do this and don't do that. And we've preached them to the people until two things happened. Number one, they got so condemned. Well, really, you've got a whole church full of condemned Christians. That every, every service or every other service, they're at the altar. Because they just can't do it. They've been given a set of rules, do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts. Do this and don't do that. Don't do this and do this and do... And before you know it, how am I going to do this? So either they're faithful enough to be in church and be condemned and be whipped with condemnation. And then, of course, at the end of the service, be at all and be prayed for. Or they finally got fed up with it up to here and walked out the back door. And every very seldom do you see them in church. We call them backslid. No sense in me going to church. I know I'm no good. I get there. I'm told I'm worse. We've set up this and established these rules of do's and don'ts until finally they got to the place I can't walk holy before God. What's the use? Well, if the Apostle Paul were here, friends, you know where he'd take you to? He'd say, open up your Bibles to Galatians 3.3. 3. That's what he'd say. If the Apostle Paul was here. 
Amen. Are you so foolish? Now, the word foolish is unwise, unintelligent, or sensual. Are you so unwise? Are you so unintelligent? Are you so sensual? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Do this. Don't do that. And don't go to the movies. And don't go to the ball game. And don't go this. And don't go out on a date. And don't do this. And don't look at this. And don't do that. And before you know it, the kids are, are being raised in this atmosphere and they've had, they're fed up with it. They don't want to hear it any longer. They rebel against Christianity. Because that's not how you're supposed to walk in holiness. Holiness is not because you do this and don't do that. We're going to show you what holiness is. But notice he says, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect? I took the liberty to look up the word perfect. And again, the Spirit of God unfolded something to me. The word perfect there is, in the Greek, it means being made perfect or fulfilling further in one's life. In other words, are you maturing further by the flesh? You've begun in the Spirit, and now are you maturing further in the Spirit by the flesh? You got a hold of that? You are born again by faith. You've begun in the Spirit. But now it seems as though you're made perfect or you are being perfected or you are being matured by the flesh. Now that I don't do this, and now that I don't do that, and now that I don't do this and the other thing, now I'm perfect. He said, how unwise and intelligent, unintelligent and sensual are you? That has nothing to do with holiness. Although it will still be done in the Christian's life. It will be manifest in the Christian life. But I want you to check out the word perfect there. It means a process of growing to perfection. Their spiritual growth was hindered right there. They could not progressively grow up and mature in Christ to be perfect, which is the ultimate end, because they didn't know how to be made or to grow in the process of perfection. See, they didn't know how to do that. They thought it was by the flesh. The do's and don'ts. Keep this holy day. Keep that holy day. Do this. Do that. Don't do this. And don't eat meat. And don't do this. And see, that's what it was. Don't eat ham. So they try to get in there. You know. Don't do this. And don't do that. That's what they did. They thought I was being perfect. Man, you're really perfect. See? Alright, now here. Let's go to Second Corinthians, the 7th chapter. I'll show you by the Word of God what it means to walk in holiness and bring forth the life of holiness that's in your spirit to this outward man. It's not by a, by a set of rules and regulations. It's not by a set of do's and a set of don'ts. It's by something you need to understand completely and totally if you're going to get into it. In, the, in verse 1, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let... Us. Alright, now grab a hold of this. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. The word perfecting is the same word that was used in Galatians. Growing up or growing in the process or maturing in holiness. How? By not eating meat. By keeping the Sabbath day holy, by doing this, going to church, doing that. No. Perfecting holiness, how? 
in the fear of God. Now, we define for you, and for those of you that weren't here, you need to have this definition. This is how you are going to perfect holiness in your life. The fear of God is found in the 34th chapter of Psalms and verse 10 and 13. The 34th chapter, 34th Psalm, verse 11 rather, 11 and 13. Notice, we must cleanse ourselves from filthiness. Now, the filthiness there means soil or stain of the flesh and of the spirit. Maturing or developing and growing or being completed in holiness in the fear of God. Now, the fear of the Lord in verse 11, the psalmist tells us, Come, ye children, hearken unto me. And I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And in verse 13, he defines it. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking gown. Depart from evil. And that's how you do it. Because evil comes from where did Jesus say? From within the heart of man proceeds evil thoughts, murders, fornications. That's where it comes from. How does it get into the heart? Through the ear gate speaking. Depart from evil and do good. How does a man bring forth good? How's he do it? A good man out of the good deposits of his heart brings forth good. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking gal so that those words don't enter into the ear gate and get into your heart and defile it or make it filthy or stain or, you know, soil it. But seek peace and do good and pursue it. Now, Jesus said, and just turn with me to the book of... Uh, Ephesians, while I'm saying this. Jesus said that the believer is to be, be therefore what? Perfect, even as your Father in heaven is what? Be ye therefore what? Now I want to show you something here. In 2 Corinthians 7, 1 and in Galatians 3, 3, we talked about maturing in holiness or growing up. But here the word for perfect is defined as a full-grown age. Fully grown age. Fully developed. Fully matured. Okay? Be ye therefore perfect. Go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We begin reading and he says, uh, verse 11... And he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Now, listen, that word perfecting is the same word maturing by a process or the process of development for the perfecting. In other words, you're not perfect yet, but they were given so that the saints can be perfected in holiness. In other words, the growth of it. The development of it. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come unto the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a what? That word perfect is full grown. Full grown. 
The reason why we've never become full grown is because once we were born again, we didn't know how to allow this light that's on the inside be developed so that it could grow and we could mature in this thing so that we can grow up into a full grown Christian, mature one, an adult, a full age, right? We thought it was by doing and doning. So we got a lot of Christians that do and don't. And I mean, I'll tell you what, it's one of the hardest lives you ever want to live. Because you know why? Your flesh wants to do. And the flesh is weak. Spirit is willing. And I'll tell you something right now. You put that piece of pie in front of your flesh and you look at it long enough. You're going to get it. And you're going to taste it. <laughs> Amen? You get enticed by the devil. You see, those things that look good from a sensual standpoint. And you may find yourself taking a piece of the pie. But when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth. Remember I said keep those words? It brings forth. Forth. The good man brings forth, the evil man brings forth. But the good man, if he deposits evil, will bring forth evil also, sin in his life. Now he said, for the perfecting of the saints until we come into this place of perfectness being fully grown and developed. I say, and I believe I can say this. A direct accusation against the five-fold ministry for not teaching the body of Christ how to grow and develop spiritually so they can get to a place of full-grown development. Full maturity in Christ. They want to keep their flock, so to speak, at the altar, praying for them every week to say, we have, boy, we have a revival. Yeah, four, 400 of our saints came and got rededicated. For what? Well, you know how bad they are. That's ridiculous. That's nonsense. We preach to the church like we preach to the world. Sinner. Not a sinner saved by grace. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who you are now. You were a sinner saved by grace and now you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, the same word that we said found right there in the third chapter of Galatians is the same word that's found right here in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to skip over now to the book of James in the first chapter. Because we're going to see something about this coming to a place of full-grown maturity. In other words, bringing forth the life that's in you so you are fully developed in it, spirit, soul, tongue, and body. A fully-grown, developed Christian. And if that's not attainable, then you know what the Lord did? He made a mistake. He gave the fivefold ministry to do something that it can't do. Place of perfection in Christ, but you can't get there? He did it for nothing then, right? No, he didn't do it for nothing. We can get to that place if the fivefold ministry is giving out the directions and telling us how to get there. But when you start to do that, then you're typified as a fanatic. Because it's talking about spiritual things and a lot of people don't understand spiritual things. But I believe you'll catch a hold of this. Look at James, the first chapter. Verse 2. Verse 4. 
But let patience have her what? You know where we made the mistake in quoting this scripture? That means it's the same word that was defined full grown, matured. Let patience have her what? See, you could be fully developed in patience. Patience can come to maturity in the life of a believer. Some have need of patience. They're not developed in it. And that's why they don't get the promise. But others, when they get to a place of being developed in patience, notice it wasn't when they stopped going to the movies and when they stopped doing this and they stopped doing it. It's when they get patience developed in their spirit. Then the latter part of that verse will be true. Look, look what it says. That you may be one. That is a full grown age. Notice that when patience is perfected in the life or in the spirit of a Christian, then that Christian is depicted as being perfected. Look at what the next part of that, that, that scripture says there. Wanting nothing. No wants. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't want. No wants. Why? Because patience has her perfect work in me and I am perfect, entire, wanting nothing. That's not the end of it. Go to James 3. Now that's a spiritual force. Now notice it's not by the flesh that a Christian grows in perfection or grows to maturity. When we started putting down do's and don'ts in the body of Christ, then it stopped them from growing because they thought if they did that, that they was good and accepted. And they were not taught how to be developed in spiritual things. No, Paul said, just because you're born again now, you think you're going to go off and keep the holy days and don't eat meat and don't do this and don't do that. You think that's perfecting you? How unwise, how sensual and how intelligent can you be, he said. You've begun in the spirit. You're not made Perfect by the flesh. See, there's another spiritual act involved. And here it is right here. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in what? Where's your words come out of? The same is a what? He's a what? A what? Fully developed Christian. Fully developed, matured, full-grown Christian. Able to do what? Bridle the entire, the whole body. And our opening scripture says, let that light come from your spirit by being single-minded that you would be able to what? Have light in the whole body. Any man who offends not in word, the same is a perfect man, fully grown, fully developed, and able also to bridle the whole body. And if you'll just look at the first chapter in verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but does what to his heart? This man's religion is in vain. He does what to his heart? He deceives his heart. The man that does not bridle his tongue and does offend in word, he is the one that deceives his heart. Now listen. The one that walks... With the Lord in his tabernacle and holy heel is the one that speaks the truth in his heart. But the one that deceives his heart is going to be the one that's going to bring forth the wrong kind of fruit. And you're not going to walk in the ways of light. 
you're going to walk in darkness in certain areas if you're not careful, if you're not watchful about what you're putting into your spirit. Now, the next two verses in James, the third chapter, is the, the illustration of what we talk, begin to bring out in Luke. He says here in these verses 3 and 4, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships which, though they be so great, are and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. You take these two illustrations. I've explained them to you before. I won't take time to do it again. I just want to say this. Those two illustrations, the bit in the horse's mouth. He's making this illustration. He's saying that the spirit man, through the soul can control the tongue so that the body can be turned around. And in the same thing in the next one. The spirit, the driver of the ship will control through that rudder the whole body of the ship. Now the, 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 the tongue or the rudder does not change that whole, make that ship turn around. It applies pressure. And soon enough, sooner or later, that ship then will begin to turn around. Now you couldn't do it any other way. It's going to go wherever it wants to go. You take the bit out of the horse's mouth, it will go as it wants to go. The body will run off as it wants to go. You line up that tongue with the body, he's saying it'll go as, as it wants to go. It'll do what it wants to do. That's described in the next two verses. Let's read the next two verses. Verse 5. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, so that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. May I say this and interject this just at this point. It did not say going to a picture show defiles your body. It did not say watching television defiles your body. It didn't say that going down the street and doing this and doing that and defiles your body. It said the tongue is the world of iniquity. The tongue is the fire among our members that the tongue defiles the whole body. And if you want to clean yourself of all defilement and soilment of the body... It's going to have to come by the way of the tongue, but the tongue is going to have to be connected to the soul by the spirit. Now, here's what happens in this. Well, let, let's let's hold your place there. I'm, I'm not going to get in this right now. Hold your place right here. Let me show you something else. Galatians, the, the uh, sixth chapter, the fifth and sixth chapter. We'll look at them both. Those first two illustrations. He was illustrating to us that when the spirit and soul team up together and control the tongue, the body is kept under. But when the body and the soul control the tongue, then the spirit is the seed. Isn't that what he's saying? Alright, listen. The flesh wars against the spirit, Galatians 5.16, and the spirit against the flesh. But we didn't know how it was. We were so deceived that we thought just doing this little thing here and doing that little thing there. And some of you young people just think that, you know, you go off and did this and did wrong here. But if you realize how the flesh was warring against the spirit and how the spirit will war against the flesh and knew and understood and were developed in it, you'd never have any problem in your flesh. The spirit wars against the flesh by controlling the mind and tongue. 
The spirit hooked up to the mind and the tongue, the controlling the tongue, will make your body turn just as pulling on the reins of, on that, of that horse with a bit in its mouth. Just like that. Apply a little pressure. It'll go to the right. Apply a little pressure. It'll go to the left. Whichever way you want it to go, it'll go. It'll just turn just like that. See? We try to do it by the flesh. Doing it by the flesh is going out there and picking up that... How many thousand pounds that horse weighs, picking it up in your arms and turning it around? Well, if you want to do it that way, you could try to do it. That's what the Christians have tried to do it and they failed. Now, the spirit, the flesh rather, is warring against the spirit in the same way. But the trouble is, you are more in the flesh because you are living in a flesh world. You are surrounded by the senses. Forces of darkness are, they fill up our atmosphere. And you've got three sources, the devil, the world, and the flesh, that are dictating to you words of their language. Isn't that nice? Go and do this. Do that. And the devil is saying all kinds of things, and you're listening to them. And, and the world dictating you, and your flesh dictating to you. And don't tell me you don't walk around your house and say, boy, that would be good to do that, wouldn't it? Or I should do this, or I should do that. Those words are coming from somewhere. Those thoughts are coming from somewhere. Words produce thoughts. If I said word to you, if I said green car, you see green car. You could, you could you know, get an image of that in your mind. If I were to say to you, a, you know, black dog, you get a picture of a black dog. Black dog with a, you know, white hat on his head, then you get a picture of a black dog with a white hat on his head. It produces an image. Amen? Now, the flesh is warring against your spirit in the same manner. And your spirit, beloved, if not kept sensitive will one day become seared and the things that were being dictated to you, you'll actually go off and condone. You'll stop reading your Bible little by little by little by little. Then you'll just read it two minutes in the morning and maybe two minutes before you go to bed at night. Then you might just read it, you know, one minute. You don't have to really do it today. Your spirit will become so seared that you'll actually think, well, I'm a Christian and I go to church three times a week. There's no sense in reading the Bible every day. And you will agree in your spirit with that. And that, beloved, is filthiness of your spirit. And you've got to be clean, cleansed from it. Now look at the sixth chapter of Galatians and let's start reading with verse 7. And I want you to see something here. Open up your eyes. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You thought those were just some nice words and nice phrases and sayings. But you know what he was actually saying? He that sows of the flesh, the flesh through the ear, through the mind, into the spirit, sowing is planting into your heart. Shall of the flesh of the senses reap what? Corruption, he said. Make the tree good or make the tree corrupt. You'll make your tree good or your tree corrupt by what you sow into it. You keep watching the TV shows. Your children are growing up watching murders and, and robberies and that sort of thing. And it's, you're just being flooded with it and flooded with it and flooded. You go to some of the mental homes. You go to some of the jailhouses. And you know what you'll find out? 
people that are there saying, well, I saw it like that on TV and they got away with it and they did it. Because their minds were flooded with this corruption. They fed it inside their spirit. It became the right thing to do. Their spirit man agreed to it and then they brought it forth. Then everybody says, I wonder why he turned out to be such a, you know, person like this. Well, the kindling was burning. It was being ignited. The course of nature, which is set on the fire of hell, was being ignited in that boy's heart and mind. Through what he was bringing in through his gates to his heart. The eyes of your understanding, the ears to the mouth. And I'm going to show you how this works with sickness and disease also. And so he got filled with it inside his heart. And then isn't it something that he brought it forth? Well, Jesus said you bring it forth. People watch these soap operas and, 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 and go on and on. And I'm not getting on their cases. I'm, I'm, I don't do that. I, don't, I, don't, like, I just want to give an example. But they'll have them on TV. And they'll watch them all the time. Then one day they find out somebody in the family went and committed adultery. And then they say, well, what's going on here? But yet, he was being or she was being filled and flooded with this corruption until it got to a place that everybody watched it, everybody thought it was okay. This society that we live in is so, we compromise so much that they were filled with it, filled with this corruption, and then it brought forth, and then someone says, now what in the world's going on in your life? It was kindling. Then when the blaze came, everybody says, what's going on? But he said here, the man that sows to his senses shall bring forth corruption, but the one that sows to the Spirit shall bring forth life. Everlasting. You know what the problem is, beloved? Your ears are hearing something every day. And I'm saying to you this. This walk is centered around a person meditating the Word day and night. If you're not willing to do it, this walk is not for you. But let me say this. It'll work for you in the, in the reverse, in the negative sense, because it's working for you right now in a negative sense. As long as you're out in that world listening to it, you'll bring it forth. It's going to come up out of you. That's just the law. That's just, it's the law of faith. It's just the way it works. I didn't write it. He said that's the way it works. Verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. If we faint not. Now, I want to show you where Jesus himself showed us and told us this is exactly how the human spirit works. In, Matthew, in Mark 4, verse 26. Hold your place in James because we're going back there. Keep your fingers hopping tonight. Glory to God. Verse 26. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now remember from the parable of the sower, the seed is the word, right? And the ground is the heart, right? He sows the word into his heart and should sleep and rise how often? That means every night, that means every day. Night and day, night and day, night and day, okay? And the seed should spring and do what? Listen to me. Have you begun in the Spirit and are made perfect by the flesh? If that person was speaking the Word in his heart day and night, day and night, it would spring up he knoweth not how. You'd be growing in it even knowing not how. You say, it's not working. Who said it's not working? You say, I've been saying it for a week. Who said it's not working? It's working. 
You're growing. You're getting up in the morning. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I walk in the Spirit. I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Word of God is working mightily in me. Speak those things into your heart. Keep saying it. Uh, yes, I'm more than a conqueror. To him that loved me, greater is he that's in me. He is in the world. To what before he gives me can prosper. Every tongue is condemned and rise up against me in judgment. And so on and so forth. You keep saying it night and day. Night and day. Finally you get weary. Then you leave your confessions alone. Or you rattle through them a hundred miles an hour. You don't meditate it. And then some calamity comes and you wonder, Why did this happen in my life? Then you rush back to the Word of God and you get back into the Word of God and you start singing as fast as you can and hard as you can and everything goes smooth for a week and then you quit for a week because everything went smooth for a week. Someone says, How long do I have to do this? I said, How long do you find out living on the earth? I said, Well, you know, at least 70, 80 years. Well, you got to do it for 70, 80 years. You mean every day? I said, Yes. You're hard. I said, no, Jesus is. He said it. Night and day. Day and I didn't write it. I don't write this, you know, Bible. He, he wrote it. Now look what happened. It'll grow up. He knoweth not how, but it will grow up. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is what? I said, keep that in your thinking. When it is brought Fourth, my footnote tells me Ephesians 4.13 are made perfect, fully grown, fully developed. How does it get fully developed? Night and day, night and day, night and day, sowing into your heart, speaking the word in your heart, night and day, night and day, day and night, night and day, every day. Blessed is the man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of the sinner, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in it does he meditate night and day. And he shall be like the tree planted by the what? Make the tree good or make the tree corrupt. That brings forth his fruit. That what? That brings forth. That matures. That is fully grown and developed in his fruit. In his season. I got a season. You got a season? When were you planted? I was planted five years ago. That's right. My seed of eternal life was planted five years ago. And it's growing. Oh, blessed be God. And I'm bearing fruit. And the Lord is pruning me. And I'm bringing, bearing more fruit. And blessed be God. I'm going to be bearing much fruit. And then I'm going to be fully grown and perfected. Day and night. Day and night. Speaking the word. Day and night. Day and night. There's where your growth comes from. Now go back to the book of James. Now, in this same third chapter, we're going to illustrate this after we see something here about the tongue again. But let's concentrate on verses 5 and 6. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Very quickly, you've got to see the scripture. Hold your place there. 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2, 19. I'll tell you what, when I saw this, it got me to shouting. It don't take much to get me to shouting. But I saw it and I said, I started to shout. You know, that's why your mind is the battleground. Because the mind is in the middle. And the senses are warring against the mind. And the flesh wants to dictate to the mind. It doesn't know which way to go. So you get a double-minded person. He does the word for a while and then he faints. Then he figures he's going to pick it back up again, does a word for a while, then he faints. 
He's going back and forth. He says, how can I do this? My senses tell me one thing and all this is real to me. Yes, but the ultimate reality is the Word of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the reality, and the life. That Word will never change. Your circumstances, they, they're subject to change, but the Word will never change. Look at this, what he said about, in verse 19, about iniquity. And remember, the tongue is a fire, a world of what? Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from what? Depart from iniquity. Now listen, in a great house there is not only vessels of gold and of silver, that's the good, and, but also of wood and of earth, that's of the evil, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified to meet for the master's use, and prepared for every what? Good work. And we're going to show you how to bring forth this good. Go back to James. Now listen to this. The word in verse 5, chapter 3, verse 5. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts with great things. Behold how great a matter is the word wood. Wood. A little fire kindleth. The development of wood. There are many Christians that are storing up in their vessels wood, earth, hay, and stubble by the words of their mouth. Either bragging on what they did for the Lord or saying that they can't do it for the Lord or speaking in existence calamity and trials or bragging upon what they do. Those words... Produce wood for kindling. And let me say this to you right now. Wood burns. Hay burns. Stubble burns. That burning of that wood and of earth is either going to be purged by you on the earth with your tongue. Or it will be purged by the Lord Jesus Christ when you stand on judgment day in His face. You better purge it. I better purge it. Behold what... Look what he said here. Greater matter, a little fire kindleth. Let's look at this next verse now. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our what? Among our what? Among our members. That's the members of this body. So is the tongue, a world of fire... A world of iniquity, rather. So is this tongue among our members. Our members. Our members. You know what's causing your flesh to sin? Ecclesiastes 5, 6 says, don't turn to it. You've got enough turn. Ecclesiastes 5, 6. You know what it says? Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. So is the tongue among our members that it... Defile, the, world, the word defile is the same word in translation, in meaning, as the same word that says, Cleanse yourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Filthiness is the same word that's translated soil and stain of the flesh and spirit. The word defile is not the same word, but the translation of that word is soil and stain. Same translation. The tongue has been defiling your members all along and you thought it was the ball game. That's right. Because if we'd have taught these little ones to lay hold of the Word when they was little ones 
and speak the word while they was little ones, they'd have kept that flesh under and wouldn't have wanted to did them thing, do those things. That's right. But we didn't teach him how to do it. Can't go here. Why? Because I said so. That's right. But didn't you know that their little spirits are picking up from where they go to school and hearing all this and doing all this and hearing them do that and all the other kids and that's going inside of their, and they're watching TV and they're seeing this and they're seeing that and it's going inside and it's going inside their heart and you say, don't do this. Friends, out of the abundance of the heart, they'll do. Your kids will do what's abundant in their heart. That's right. So why be so surprised they brought forth good, evil things? This better be taught in the church. And I mean it better be taught right so people can grab a hold of it. Now, the tongue defiles the spirit and the body. It defiles the body by defiling the spirit. The filthiness that got into your spirit came because you started saying some things. Are you ready for them? Death and life are in the power of the what? And they that love it shall eat the what? Bringeth forth his fruit. Your tongue can speak death or life. It could sow death or life into your spirit. If it sows death, you're defiling your spirit. Then your spirit will be programmed. It will control the mind and tongue so that it will begin to produce or bring forth death. Here's an example of it. Not only is it scriptural, thou art snared by the words of thy mouth, right? Thou art taken captive by the words of thy mouth. But listen to this. A wholesome tongue is a tree of what? A healed tongue, a medicine tongue is a tree of life. But the tongue that speaks death, the person will eat the fruit of death. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his what? Whoso keepeth his tongue or his mouth keepeth his life, but whoso openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. This is why. He's sowing it to himself. Now here's a good example. This is classic. Aside of what, what Jesus showed us, this is classic. The course of nature is ignited. Death is ignited in the system, in this makeup of man's system, spirit, soul, tongue, body, when he speaks the word. Here's an example. Here you are. Your granddad died of cancer. Your daddy died of cancer. The medical field calls it hereditary. You know, it passes one from another. Well, you were just a little boy and, you, and you, when this happened, when your granddad died, and then you're a little bit older when your dad died of cancer. And then, you know, your mom's still alive and she said, you know, your granddad died of cancer and uh, your dad died of cancer. And I remember all of it. And you remembered all of it. And you get a little pain in your body. And she says, you know... We better get you checked. You might have cancer too. Well, you're... Check the medical records. What do they do? They check it for your, your grandparents and your parents. And so they say, well, why are you checking me for that when you were just a little boy? Well, your granddad died of cancer or heart trouble or tuberculosis. And your dad died of tuberculosis heart trouble. There's a good chance that you might get it. And that little child walks away from that office or that teenager walks away from that office. And he says, oh, I could die of tuberculosis. I can get cancer or I can get this or I can get that. And your mother agrees with it. Of course, you tell your friends, and they tell their friends, now you've got a lot of people agreeing with it. And every little ache, and every little pain, oh, I wonder if it's cancer. I wonder if it's tuberculosis. I wonder if it's heart trouble. I wonder if it's this. I wonder if it's that. And fear comes upon you. A little bit older. And, and you're doing a little bit of exercise, and you get a pain in your chest. I wonder if i got heart trouble. I wonder if it's tuberculosis. And before you know it, you have ignited the course of nature. A little kindling. The words begin to build a little fire. 
The kindling began to burn. The course of nature began to explode, ignite, and it began to be activated within. Your spirit man grabbed a hold of it. You conceived it with inside your heart. You spoke it until it began to be part of your being. And then all of a sudden it came out and got into your mind, into your tongue, and you began to speak it. Death was on the, in the power of your tongue. And you spoke it and spoke and spoke and spoke it until finally you fell over dead of it. And someone says, didn't I tell you so? Didn't I tell you that granddad died of it and your dad died of it? And didn't I tell you that he, my son would die of it too? If she lived long enough to see it. And they say, oh yes, you did say it, I remember. But all that kindling was burned up and nobody remembered it and forgot all about it. But yet it worked. Now are you ready for the classic scripture? Mark eleven twenty three. The master said it himself. I didn't know all of what I just taught you tonight when I used it. But Jesus said, if you'll just continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth is set you free. But Jesus said this a long time ago. If you were to say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those words you're saying will come into existence, or will come into being, or will come to pass, then you will have whatsoever you want. Now I know why. Because those words I said entered into my ears, entered into my mind, gave me a vivid picture of it, conceived in my spirit, and my spirit was protected by the peace of God, and then it brought forth my healing, my deliverance, my finances. And the whole while I was jumping up and down and I didn't even see it because I knew it was working and bringing forth inside me. Glory to God. Amen. Now, you want to know how to be holy and walk in holiness? Cleanse your spirit from all filthiness and your flesh from all filthiness by keeping your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile and begin to speak God's word till it comes out your ears, in your ears, out your ears, in your spirit, out of your spirit. Through your mind until you become so saturated in the Word of God that you're a living epistle of the living Christ known and read of all men. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.